and we're back welcome back to practice makes perfect podcast here we're bringing you guys another episode this week it's your host your favorite fortnite commentator monster deface bringing you guys another one this time around as you can see from the title we have a lot to go through here we're going to start at the very tippity top with a lot of or i should say continuing the story of activision blizzard being purchased by microsoft pretty huge significant changes coming to the i think the entire gaming industry just based off of that purchase alone but also just how it's going to trend into some of our twitter conversations lawsuits that are happening and of course our one of our favorite conversations we've been covering over the last few months twitch kick and all those things that are happening on that side of the sphere so with that we want to thank you of course for joining us this this week don't forget to leave a review. Don't forget to send all your complaints to me. All that good stuff that you guys normally do on a week to week. But with that, let's go ahead and kick things off. We got John, of course, producing this episode. John, what's up, bro? Your your busy summer. Keep your summers full. I'm on week three of five of tr pretty much constant travel. And I think I broke my neck. So I'm getting old. Send me some aspirin. I'm in pain. <laughs> Playing injured on this one, y'all. Set us some vibes and some aspirin. John's going to need it. Man's been, yeah, literally traveling up and down the East Coast, and it does not stop there. I'm sure his calendar is continuing to book up. Uh, we got Connor, of course, here as well. Connor, my boy, how's it? Uh, how's the Texas life? What's up, bro? Texas is going great, you know? Ready to do another podcast. Have a new addition to the family. We have a cat now. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Connor. He adopted my cat, guys. He literally came to my house and, and came in clutch. It just turns out I'm I've always been allergic to it. So, like, you know, I, I kind of dealt with it. But my son is allergic to it too. Some of you guys might remember mm. I had a baby five months ago. So, yeah, yeah, you know, baby sneezing, itchy face, all that good stuff. Protect the it, little man. It's, it's not great. We were hoping get a little better, but yeah, even with all our preventative measures, didn't quite work out. So shout out to Connor, man, taking in our freaking awesome cat. We got an awesome cat, but it's his cat now. So there you go. How's she's yeah. been? Just summer. She's been she's been good. She's uh finding her spots in the house. I'll find her in random <laughs> cabinets or like all the way up top above the fridge, another cabinet, underneath a bed. She's just exploring, figuring out her new home. But yeah, we are now a cat house. So no doubt, go. no doubt. Well, listen, let's start jumping into things. Microsoft, one of the biggest companies in the world, global conglomerate. Obviously, the owners of windows that is on just about every mm -hmm. single computer and more importantly xbox as it relates to us gamers here windows and xbox they have officially gone through and gotten the approval to purchase blizzard activision which blizzard recently acquired activision the owners of call of duty which was a huge topic of conversation for us just not too long ago it feels like it was just a couple months ago but you know, that, that's how fast the years fly by. Um, John, just really quickly, I didn't have this in our notes, but do we know the price at which Microsoft paid for this Activision? Yeah. Like, it has I mean, to be in the billions. Like, yeah, billions of dollar acquisition. And it's just crazy. If you guys didn't listen to the last episode, we broke it down. Just, guys, literally the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, was going, like, basically was suing to block this merger. And so... It was not like some random like court of approval. It was like a a, a pre-existing acquisition that was being actively blocked by a large governing financial government entity. And the judge sided in the favor of Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. $69 billion acquisition. Absolutely incredible. Probably puts it up there with some of the highest acquisitions we've ever seen, surely within the last decade, undoubtedly. 
and and i think we know why we get to give you guys a scoop pay attention the big reason that we had last week as to why the blocker was was looking to be put forth was because call of duty right is one of the largest games in the world globally consumed international audiences they were afraid of the monopoly that could be set forth by microsoft by removing call of duty titles from other devices such as mobile or of course their biggest competitor no secret playstation but there was actually breaking news today connor you brought a nice little post to us just a couple couple of minutes ago before we got on the recording how about you take us through what phil spencer from xbox at p3 had to say yeah so phil spencer who is the head at xbox everything xbox he put out a tweet today saying we are pleased to announce that microsoft and playstation have signed a binding agreement to keep call of duty on playstation following the acquisition so call of duty fans playstation gamers no need to worry call of duty is staying on playstation but the kicker is no one knows how long this agreement's for so who's to say this doesn't change in five years but for now without knowing the actual length of it Call of Duty fans are saved on PlayStation. Call of Duty gets to remain on, obviously, the the other biggest platform for console that we have to date. This is this is a huge deal. If I had to guess, this agreement, these things don't happen overnight. This had to be happen, happening in conjunction. They probably saw what was coming from what you said, the, the Federal Trade Commission. They yeah. they If I had to guess, they preemptively saw this coming. They were already pre-firing their guns, getting the legal agreements in place. And then once that ruling came down and that, that block tried to happen, it's almost like, bam, they played their trump card like, we got you. If that was your biggest argument, what happens now? We've already kind of come to agreement. That probably put the fire underneath them to go ahead and solidify the deal there and get through all the... Uh, now, of course, the, the agreement point. So, John, I mean, this is a big deal. You're you're a huge Call of Duty consumer. How do you feel? Do you think do you feel good about like Microsoft being in charge of the helm here? Obviously, it was like I think I think we're all a little bit questionable when Blizzard was the one who bought it because Blizzard has this very interesting dark past, right? Uh, the experiences of you know World of Warcraft, I think, run deep and Overwatch and all the other titles. You know, we've seen the stories we were questionable but now like microsoft picks it up do we have any do we feel better with microsoft owning the activision title now well i mean the only thing i can really compare it to is which it's a tough comparison because it's years ago but it was when microsoft acquired the halo franchise and they acquired bungie which is the company that originally made halo and then bungie broke from microsoft man pro close to probably 10 years ago now but did not take the rights to halo with them and so I just think, I think my hope would be that Microsoft pumps a lot of resources into it, but gives creative control to the people who know the game. Whereas with Halo, that was really at the dawn of Microsoft starting their own development company, 343. And they were really looking to kind of assert themselves, not just as the owner, but as the developer. And I don't, I don't think that went very well. So man, I hope it gets all the money, but the creative control goes to, you know, some people that have a vision for the game of Call of Duty. Yeah, I uh, also just looked up the deal, and it did come out. This is from The Verge. They got through a contact there, and they said this is a 10-year deal, but but they made note that it is only for Call of Duty. So this is a 10-year deal for Call of Duty only, no other limited titles or anything like that. So I don't know if that includes something like Overwatch, because I believe Blizzard, Overwatch, Activision. So PlayStation might not have Overwatch anymore. So we'll see how that so, goes. So the 10-year deal is just the exclusive deal that... Call of Duty will not be blocked from PlayStation. Yeah, according, right. according to The Verge, it's exclusive to Call of Duty only, and they made note of it to say this is only for Call of Duty at the moment.
Yeah, like like we like you just mentioned, Overwatch is another massive title. Yeah, it may not be as popular as a Fortnite or, of course, Call of Duty, but Overwatch is very much um, a globally recognized title. As is Diablo. I mean, Diablo just released. I'm not sure how you know any console integrations of these titles work or the popularity of on them on titles or on on these other platforms. But I mean, Hearthstone is, is a very very big game. If Microsoft again has the keys to all of this. And the biggest issue is, of course, having Call of Duty accessible. They have a lot of room to start introducing more exclusivity, um, which is going to hurt PlayStation in the long run. Of course, there's there's got to be some some shaking in the boots from Sony's side as the power dynamics start to shift. Um, I, I kind of wish we did a little bit more research on what, if any, like like companies that Sony own, like that have like the titles. Obviously, we know like exclusivity sometimes can come out with like the Metal Gear Solid titles, and there's a few other ones that are you know there's always kind of been this exclusivity conversation between the two. But I wonder if there's going to be a big move now from Sony to kind of clap back, like get in there, like maybe you know Rockstar or something like that. Or just like well, yeah, so, like, you know, so, Sony, Sony's or, got I don't know God of War, which is a big one. Ratchet and Clank, a uh, big one is of course The Last of Us. Last of Us, though, has had a hard time getting off the ground when it comes to multiplayer titles. In terms of some of the some of the things that this opens up is, for instance, now Call of Duty and Gears of War are owned IP are owned by the same people, and you know there's talk that one of the mergers that makes sense would be some kind of Gears of War Call of Duty, where it takes the IP and the story of. And honestly, as a, as a Call of Duty player, the way that Gears plays was so different from any game that I played that I didn't like playing it. But the lore and the world is like one of the best, I feel like, still to this day. And so merging those things, very interesting. We just saw as well Call of Duty adopting some skins of the boys, which is kind of like, I would say, one of their big steps into trying to really emulate Fortnite success in terms of bringing in other worlds. Call of Duty is also going to be featuring, speaking of cats, a cat like player skin, which people are really heated about because it kind of breaks the, the mold of reality. But part of me wonders if now all these titles are now going to be featured as Call of Duty Warzone skins. So, man, the possibilities are freaking endless, man. It's like the multiverse. Well, well I'm happy you actually brought up the, the skin stuff because <laughs> we, we got to briefly talk about this collaboration I agree with you. It's cool that they're trying something new. It's cool that Call of Duty is trying to get into the elevated sphere beyond gaming, get into a, you know, kind of the mainstream media. But the boys is an interesting, <laughs> if anything, collaboration to pick up. For those of you guys that are unfamiliar with the boys, I believe it's accessible on Prime, right? That's where yeah, I've watched right. it, yep. Amazon Prime. And I watched it after my visit to Copenhagen because there was just like this massive billboard. It just said the boys. And I was like, what the heck is this? Right? So shout out to, to billboard space. It works. <laughs> shout out to, <laughs> to traditional media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, let, let's go ahead and watch this. Well, anyways, uh, personal, personal thoughts about the show aside, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool. It was entertaining. But the side that I didn't really think about, which now becomes more relevant, and this is a conversation happening amongst the gamers, is... Following the Nick Merckx uh, controversy mm. where Activision removed Nick Merckx from the game for his opinion, right, on, uh, the, you know, the, the, the situation happening across social media. We have, we've talked about it in depth here. We're not going to get too much more into it. If you want to review that episode, go back. You can see why Nick Merckx's skin was completely removed from the game for what was his own opinion about 
very sensitive topic. Let's talk about how they go from that, right? Removing their biggest creator collaboration ever from the game to introducing the boys who, narratively speaking, the main character forward-facing of the banner is, um, I mean, he's someone who's done some very shady things to women in the show for our younger audiences. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to use yeah. any of those bad words, but put it like this. This guy uh, victimized women publicly in the show. It's like a part of his character is yeah. what he does. You know, like the why why would they go with the boys after that? And then at least this this that skin, like the main superhero skin. You know, they could have chosen anyone. What do you think, John? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think the answer to most things in life Money. I think this is why it's interesting whenever companies try to be moral authorities is because at the end of the day, they are designed to measure the bottom line of dollars and cents. And, and I'm not even mad at them for that. Like that, their whole structure of board and everything is all based around the bottom line, dollars and cents, moving products. And so honestly feel as if no one probably even thought about it at the high level. Um, and that just goes to show you that video games, I do not think companies should there, they should necessarily be in the business of, of leveraging morality. Instead, they should be the operators of, of free speech. And I, I hate free speech as a buzzword. I guess I just mean like they should put products out and if the market likes it, if people like it, they don't. If they do, they don't. Because I think adding a character like this while taking out the Nick Merck skin is a huge mixed message. Huge mixed message. The way I think it was thought of was you're going from an actual person statement over an actor in a script written in Hollywood. So I feel like there's going off a of popularity based skin, not necessarily what that person or actor or whatever did inside of the show. I feel like I want to agree with you, but if you just follow the just socials in general, there's a connection between the, the personal person, even behind the actors, you know, that, that represent the acting on the screen, The Witcher is an excellent example of the main Witcher character from season one was a huge fan and advocate of the game. Um, when he was basically removed from the role and, you know, ousted from that position. I mean, the show has plummeted without his creative direction. And, you know, there was, there was a connection there. Like the fans loved how passionate he was. And he brought that creative touch, that personal element to the show so i mean i agree with you i think in a in a normal world we should feel like oh yeah it's just screen stuff like who cares but like that that's unfortunately not the reality we live in right like in in this new social kind of atmosphere that we're continuing to trend down it is very much becoming hey who you are in person you know you might as well be that when you're on camera too because it matters now you can't be something you know on socials and then be something different in movies look at tom holland he is also getting absolutely railed on socials for scene and i use the word railed on purpose go search it up if you're super curious dude he's in trouble right now people don't like what he stands for They're like how can how can how could spider-man go and do a movie scene like that because he's still viewed up viewed as spider-man anyways crazy stuff here point is my argument here is what you do in your personal life, your message, now absolutely has to translate to what you take on in an on-screen camera presence. And to John's point, game publishers or gaming companies or organizations in general, when you start taking up a political message or a stance and you know, you, you try to put that, you know, that bottom dollar forwards, but you're using 
you know the narrative of what's happening in like real life as your as part of your message you have to you know carry that onwards forever almost it cuts both ways man it's a double-edged sword and so you can't say that you're in yeah you just can't yeah you can't say you're in helping people make the right moral choice one way and then not the other it's just it's just wild well I talking about moral choices I feel like Elon's really been invading our privacy on Twitter. Uh, there's been there's been a lot going on in the Twitter conversations. It's a very heated week for uh, these platforms and conversations that are buzzing right now. And I say that because Twitter Ninja released a feature that changed the way you, the user, receive direct messages from other people without anyone knowing. I wouldn't have known about it had I not seen a post. And then I shared it to my, you know, 50,000 followers because I was like, who the heck does Elon think he is going into my settings and changing who can directly message me? Um, I like that I have my DMs completely open. Most people, my size or popularity probably don't, right? They have these filters on it, but I like to keep them completely open so I can connect with anyone on the platform. But in Elon's direction to try to bring Twitter to profitability, He's continuing to gatewall folks that are not paying for the Twitter Blue subscription. Um, and that's the first thing that we've seen as far as like a huge red flag from like him trying to build this quote unquote free speech platform come out because, you know, he released the files, he released the algorithm, he's showing all this transparency. But then you have like little sneaky things like that getting jabbed in there. That's a problem. Yeah, I, I don't, I, what is an app? Do we own it? Does he own it? Like, I don't know. Like him doing that. I don't want to take it down like a super rabbit hole, but I'm just like, yo, does AT&T do stuff I don't know about? You know what I mean? Like, like they, they you know, does Apple, like, I mean, I guess Apple has always hailed themselves as like the, the leaders in like protecting privacy. Uh, but yeah, man, like, I don't know how to feel about it. To be honest, I haven't noticed anything. I don't have the following you have on, on Twitter though. I, have, like, I haven't noticed a difference, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I feel like in a that is a change that needs to either be public or like a big announcement about it, or it's an option you go in later to enable, not something like, hey, we enabled it for you, you know, just to help you out. Like there's been a there's been a whole thing like with the daily limit and all that stuff that I was a big supporter of Elon and this acquisition and all that. And I'm hoping like in I'm I still am and I still have hope for the platform as a whole. I still use it every day, don't plan on stopping using it. But I feel like there's a vision that Elon has, hopefully, that he is just trying new things, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, pulling him, and hoping that whatever he comes up with just sticks. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this, like, some of the new features obviously are great. Like, one of my friends got this notification. They were reacting, they were quote retweeting an article, and Twitter responded with a message they had never seen before saying, hey, you are about to share an article of which you did not click the link. Are you sure you want to like continue? Which I'm like, yo, that's actually kind of like a, that's kind of like cool. Like that, you know, now there's lots of ways to probably that that could be wrong or, you know, could be misconstrued or what if he read the link on his, on his phone and he's retweeting on his computer, blah, blah, blah. A feature like that just seems like well-natured, but something involving your DMs in a private setting being changed without you knowing, that just feels less good. Like what, who stands to gain from that? It only feels I don't know, kind of shady. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, he's really trying to gatekeep out anyone who's not paying for the Twitter subscription. Soon there's going to be 
legitimate removal of those public features. I think that's almost the first step of like, oh, hey, you don't pay $8 a month. You can't DM anybody, right? Like you can only post public stuff. If you want to shoot someone a private message, pay us to message that person. That's really kind of the, the feeling I got from it because he's already limited how much new accounts can view. Who's to say now, you know, how many times you can message a day? right all of a sudden which was once a free liberty or you would think it's a liberty to be on a platform like that because that's the social norm um all of a sudden now the landscape is changing as these big changes happen on these big real big platforms it's important for us to cover these things and really talk about it because what will happen is all the other big platforms will say oh they got away with that we can do that too most notably obviously their biggest copycat competitor now threads right threads literally yep. copied the entire twitter skeleton it feels like and then launch their own app threads is owned by meta aka facebook who owns snapchat instagram so this is a mega company literally copy pasting um everything bar for bar and then dropping their own version of it cool part about threads is they directly pretty much ported over your followers from instagram if they had threads in instagram right if you have both accounts they basically ported you right over they almost secured i feel like they secured your handle for you as you got onto the threads platform and then all of a sudden it's like you're there with this this perceived perception of like you have a following it, it's very interesting what that does for you because if you look at tiktok we all know those tiktok views air quote views are inflated those are like impressions that are really portrayed as real views so it makes you feel like you have way more reach than you probably originally did the threads profile makes you feel like you are starting with so much success when it's really just inflated from the instagram downloads that's like a crazy mega brain play from the dev side to like you know kind of come up with the psychology behind what this does to the person did it work I don't know. I mean, they got millions of people to download it. This is probably one of the fastest zero to multi-million, yeah, hundred million download uh, transitions we've ever seen. And it, and I think Meta released a statement saying it blew their expectations out the water, like yeah. by far. So that's that's crazy because what were they expecting to get? And they got more than that. So what does that mean for them? Do they put even more money in? Yeah, it's it is. Uh... It is wild. I, I, I love one, like it's a little thing, but it's integrating it is like, if you look at people's Instagram profiles, there's a number now next to it and it shows what place they were in the world at downloading threads. And it's kind of like this really cool, like interesting status thing. And it's interesting, like, but then it's an automatic link. Like when you tap it, it's a link to that person's threads and to download it. And so I think it's a really interesting integration. One of the, uh, one of the taglines for threads is, it's something like a social media app that makes sense. So clearly Meta is trying to market against Elon's kind of content guidelines and they're trying to create, you know, what to many would be a more properly moderated uh, Twitter experience, you know? And there's been some different kind of like people that have risen up like Mastodon and different things like this, but Threads by far has seen the most buy-in. Uh, I personally... My thought on it is I got it, used it for a couple of days, and now I think it's dead. There was there was a Twitter image or I saw something on Twitter, it was a post of like searching up threads and when it first came out was spiked all the way high 
and every day since looking up or trying to download the threads has just gone down 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 and i feel like it was like uh everyone was hyped about it for a week and now i don't think i've seen anyone talk about it in like three days or something so i don't see it working in the long run or being a sustainable competitor to twitter personally i just don't see it catching on the way twitter has with the overall community the only way it will and it's the way they did it so it's smart is since if you have an instagram account you automatically have a threads account is if you download the app that's the only way it will catch on because people are just gonna be like download the app bam you have threads or if instagram implements a threads option into their already standalone app that is the way i think it should have been done to begin with instead of it being a separate app well I think there's a market here that Meta has a chance to capture that Twitter will never capture. It's this older demographic that Facebook in particular has, that Instagram has, right? Like my family members use Instagram and probably Facebook. They do not use Twitter, like period. So there's this likelihood that we'll have more of that adoption into a place where threads becomes conversational like Twitter. It's like almost introducing them to these this newfound conversational platform, which is Twitter. So they'll have that early bug. I do agree with you. The boom happened because yeah, the, all the Twitter adoption that transferred over, but I think the real growth is gonna happen when all their Facebook, WhatsApp, right? Like Instagram, like there's all this older, different demographic that doesn't really, I think, um, like like there's a demographic that's not captured on Twitter for sure. And I think they're gonna get translated or potentially translated, you know, into into this kind of threads atmosphere. That's just my hunch. So that's what I mean by like I believe Meta was blown away because they, they probably didn't expect to like take so much initial Twitter market as much as they were expecting, like, oh yeah, we're gonna get a lot of our Facebook like older users on here or something like that. Um so I, I think I think their numbers exceeded uh, all their expectations by so so much that they're they're going to be going extremely hard in in building out the platform um i mean elon's not happy about that at all either yeah i think to me i, I think where threads where meta really missed an opportunity is they should have released the platform with more constraints meaning People, I think when people get on threads, they go, wait, what am I doing? Because you can put, I was surprised. I was, I was surprised you could post images and videos right away. So I just feel like people are just mirroring their content on other platforms because there's no filter or function or format. I feel like we could have seen some, some kind of like just creative revival of just being like only words, release a short character count, like really just give people an opportunity to push to kind of strike a new nerve. Like. You know, remember what made Vine what it was. And I think to this day, there is this Vine is, is still considered one of the most intriguing and even missed social media experiments was you have seven seconds. That's it. And so I think that threads at least initially should have just launched with a much more narrow uh, ability to post content. And, and I don't know, like, I feel like if that was the case, like people would be posting poems right now. You'd have to take, yo, what happened? apex land and instead of posting the same clip you posted on tiktok and reels you'd have to go like yo how do we break this down in this new platform and it would have seen a new surge of creativity and therefore a new surge in engagement one of the things i dislike the most about the app is there's no following tab they just give you whatever random threads they're called whatever random threads you see it's not like i follow this guy i want to see this guy's stuff no 
you see all of threads or whatever meta wants you to see on there so that is like a very big criticism for me and oh yeah everyone's just in your it. face yeah, right? I, I do i do think that's because they under underestimated the downloads and what could have been the again that initial traction right like think early youtube early youtube was just whatever's out there is just out there it's just you know kind of like a floating algorithm and it it was what it was with the search tab before it became a more tailored experience they they so i think so underestimated how many people would pick up the app that they didn't expect people to build a following out the gate like that and potentially have a community to interact with and that's where they missed the mark if they would have prepared i think for adoptions of full communities to potentially just tra uh, transfer over and then live in a new space like john's john kind of messaged here you could have totally captured them in a different way but to your point i would have loved if they would have made some kind of character limit 50 words or something like you said to kind of push the boundary on creativity on format on delivery right when you don't have those this becomes a very much carbon copy clone of twitter and well it's not going to be a better twitter just released right it, there's no innovation on it the only cool part about it like i said is the fact that they have this transfer over of the following and and you kind of start with this huge kickstart which makes you feel more accomplished than maybe uh you are in that space but that's not going to be enough to keep people around i mean yeah even tiktok of course had to innovate the space they came in with the music and the shorts right and kind of created this boom so it, it's absolutely a mismarket and I think if uh, they had you at the consulting table and you would have said that, they would have totally held the, you know, held back the launch before they pushed it and said, "Hey, I think this guy is right." Or they would have said, "No, hey, John, here, here is my special thing. It's this. Maybe we're missing that. Maybe we're missing that. We haven't quite seen the magic of the platform yet. Could could we have just missed what the magic is?" <laughs> One thing I wanted to touch on that you said earlier that just popped into my head, but you said that Elon's not happy. I don't know if it, when Threads first released. Elon put out a tweet and because Twitter is threatening to sue Meta and Elon put out a tweet saying competition is fine. Cheating is not. That got over like 25 million views. This was just a reply to a tweet. And everyone was talking about it because allegedly, uh, this is just what I'm gathering off. Meta hired ex-Twitter devs and engineers to create their app and use like hidden Twitter features to help create the app. So yeah, Elon's definitely not happy and they are threatening to have a massive lawsuit with Meta over the release of the app. Well, Facebook has this history of quote-unquote stealing or maybe not stealing, maybe not innovating, but not fixing what isn't broken. They take successful business models or ventures and literally replicate them and bring them to market and try to just execute a little bit better, maybe more efficiently because they have the resource to do so. And that's been, a, I would say, a core business model of Mark Zuckerberg for quite some time, the folks over at Meta. And this is not the first time they've done it. And now they continue to, you know, do that here with with threads but elon's a fighter right like he's he's taking this very much personal i mean he wants to literally physically box him in the ring which is going to be an entertaining spectacle if and when that all falls through on the ufc channel but yeah now he's really taking it to court this is like i think more personal right when he's talking finances and money i can see if this is to go through twitter coming out on the winning side of that if there are truly hidden features that he as someone who owns the platform can see right like from the outside looking in like how did they know to do these things i mean it also what hit the internet was a picture of of mark zuckerberg training with ufc fighters and let me tell you bro zuck looks dangerous dog that man is in like he's got like old man chest you know it's like we're like you can tell he's older 
but like you could tell he's been working, you know, and, and I'm like, oh my God, bro. So I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what Elon's on. I feel like Elon's on some more like I eat frog brains kind of fitness, you know, and like I, who, what, whoever will win. I don't know, bro, but Zuck looks nasty, bro. He looks tough. Yeah. And let's not forget, there's so many interviews of Zuck, who is someone who's like an advocate for not really consuming social media content. And he keeps it very, let's just call it old school, right? He, he sees the destruction of kind of technology has done to the to the world. So yeah. this man's been in the gym for forever. He's trying to live to be old, like, like young forever, basically, is what I'm trying. He's trying yeah. to live to see 140, right? <laughs> like, he's he's going all the way. He's he's obviously a billionaire. He can do things like that and, and live that kind of lifestyle where he purely focuses on his health. Elon does not, is not even near, the I think, the physical shape. So, probably not going to end well for Elon. Hopefully, this fight's very far out, and he has a lot of time to prepare prepare to the best of the best that he can, I guess, to give us an entertaining fight. Because that, that will be interesting. I don't think we've ever seen multi, multi-billionaires get in a ring against one another. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of lawsuits, though, something that's been interesting that we wanted to cover is that Bungie, who we mentioned earlier, and their popular title, Destiny, just settled a kind of, kind of groundbreaking case. And I don't know if, uh, how many of our listeners think about this, but when one case is settled by a judge, it creates a precedent for future rulings. So in many court casings, when a judge is citing the reason why they ruled one way or the other, they point to, oh, well, this is what happened you know, two years ago, one year ago. And so uh, recently, a player lost this lawsuit and now owes a community manager of Destiny 2 $500,000 in damages. And so that's just a very interesting precedent when you consider how we normally all kind of just like, I don't know, maybe rage or talk about game devs and community managers. It makes you, makes no. you think twice. I want to I zoom out a little bit here. You have to be doing some serious, and I mean like consistent targeted harassment or messaging. Uh, like it feels like almost an intrusive point. Like, hey, you're not, you're not just like responding to, you know, Bungie's main account. Like, no, no, no. You're, you're finding out who works behind the account. You're messaging that person. You're targeting that guy in, in different ways because there's there's obviously this world where like you know let, let's be honest these mega companies let's use fortnite game for example they can they can exercise on whatever they wanted if they wanted to sue you because you you know use the wrong graphic on a promotional banner they absolutely can because they're in their rights to do so will they do it oh, come on let's be honest probably not right some fish are too small to fry for these big 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 companies but if they're gonna go out of their way and sue your average regular person for $500,000 worth of damages that they don't need. They could, you know, spit that up uh, with any kind of content release, you know, in no time, you know? It doesn't mean anything to them to do that, but they do it to set an example. And I am, uh, I am on the side of Bungie on this side because yeah. although I don't know what was coming out of the, the harassment side of the, the player, you have to be doing something absolutely just out of the out of the means of a normal. This one was this one was bad. Stalking. Yeah, it involved his it involved the community manager's wife and it was racially motivated. And one of the key one of the largest amounts that this person is owed, which I think is very interesting just from a player side, is that almost four hundred thousand dollars of the the damages the damages were under this new this is the new precedent. 
which now allows employers, this is reading directly, uh, to recover the costs incurred while investigating the identity of an anonymous harasser while putting a stop to their actions, regardless of whether other causes for awarding damages are available. Meaning they, they are not just coming after you for what you did, but they're coming after you for the costs incurred while them trying to stop, fix, or figure out what you were doing. And so, yeah, in this case, like, honestly, like the guy that the, the defendant, so to speak, um, um, was really messed up. He was, he was sending in requests to Bungie to create in-game op options that would only allow for like persons of color to be killed. Like this dude was a freaking loser, you know, like, he had it coming. He yeah, had he had, coming. he had it coming, you know, but it is just, it is just interesting whenever we see something as, you know, we I'd all feel like as innocent and just entertainment come into a legal space. I mean, guys, if you took the recordings of my friend group from Modern Warfare 1 and 2 back in the early 2000s, I mean, we said some wild stuff, you know, and it's just it's just going to be interesting to see develop out like what is the line between like people truly being hateful and people being stupid on the internet, you know? So wild. Well, we've seen companies like Epic Games in the early years actually issue full-on multi-million dollar lawsuits against, you know, these developers that were basically creating and selling cheats. You know, there's there's definitely a line in the sand that we've seen crossed and companies get actioned against. It usually involves cheating, but never someone who's kind of like on the harassment side, right? This is one of the first times I think we've seen a very big settlement come out and then favor to the side of the dev for someone who is just a complete hateful, you know, bigot, right? Like straight up on, on socials, which is crazy to, to think you, you would do that in today's day and age when, you know, obviously everything else, everything gets up, end up being aired out anyways, right? So now you have these these uh, lawsuits that can come from behind it. Um, again, this is important because if something like this happens in the future, these are the cases that get looked back on and they yeah. say, hey, look, it was settled like this. You know, this is the damages that was given out. Here's why we deserve more, right? And, and like, think about it, $500,000, you might be thinking like, oh, like, like what? That's not just investigative charges. Well, think about it. If, if therapy you know, session is involved or you have to pay for a therapist for the next two or three years so that, you know, mentally you can, you know, find yourself in a happier place. That's how they get all these damages. They just add it all up. Time yeah. invested, therapy sessions, like all this stuff. So well, it, it could have, I think it could have been worse. Well, it added a 12, there's a 12% interest each year that it is not oh paid my off. Gosh. And so just think about it. Like, again, this is well-deserved. Banks, banks are not even given, <laughs> given loans This 7% this, in the world. This guy's <laughs> clearly stepped over the line my opinion, he, he deserves this, but it's just interesting to think like what average person has 500 K, you know, this is going to affect this person's life, you know, he's, forever. He's, he's broke for life. Yeah. He's broke for life. And that's what you get for being, being just toxic and uh, harassing people Hateful. on the internet. Do Absolutely. not, do not do it. Talking about broke for life though. Sentinel's about to be broke <laughs> for life. If they don't get any money. Now, now listen, dude, sorry, this, this is a cool, let's change up the gears here. Sentinels has announced that they are going to look to crowdfund. This is not the first esports organization to try to jump into a crowdfunding space. I do think that their offering is extremely underwhelming. I saw a post out there that said for five, no, for $10,000, part of your perks of contributing into buying shares of the company was that you'd be able to play one game 
with the players of the Sentinels team. Like, how do you value that? What, what and you can go see their office. Come on, you can see the office too for ten you grand. Can, <laughs> you can see the office now that you're a part owner of Sentinels. The offerings just look so bad. The moment it was released, I went to their website and their tier system wasn't fully fleshed out. It was it was bad. Like literally, it said. And I kid you not, early founders pack. If you basically purchase shares today, like like you just found out, you get, let's just call it XYZ incentives. And then it said, if you purchase shares within a week, you get these new incentives. Those new incentives were the same ones, by the way. Like they, they just copy pasted over. There was like literally no tier system except for the last one, which got a little bit worse. But it's almost like they didn't even finish the site before they pushed it live. It's such Someone an L, bro. Descriptions. It was so silly. Yeah, I just wanted to read off what they have real quick. So if you spend 500 bucks for the bronze pack, you get a, a jersey. You get an authentic jersey for $500. And if you give them five grand, you get 5% bonus shares. And a, two jerseys, one signed. And you get to go to a virtual shareholders meeting. Five grand. Okay. All right. This, this is... I feel like oh, one more, one more, John. One more, John. This is the Let's best get one. The third, get the third. One. So this is if you give them twenty five thousand dollars or more. Oh my, oh my god! You get the first four things I said, plus you get to play in that match with one player of your dream. You get to go to L.A. and you get to go to one live match with the team, and you get ten percent more shares for twenty five grand. Yeah, you can do That's a lot you more. Get. You can do all those things for about ten grand. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> For the entire year, you can visit every land that's hosted and, yeah. and meet the players anyways for like $5,000. This in no way solves the core problem of esports, which, which we've covered on this, on this program, which is that there, there's not a, a steady cash flow, right? A real market. Yes, things need to be valued differently, but this is not it. You're just taking money from the people. Like, you know, this is actually why I think a very underrated conversation in esports right now is is traditional sports owning and launching esports orgs because those organizations do not need to turn a profit necessarily they like for instance golden guardians is owned by the golden state warriors it's a league of legends team and they have a world of warcraft team and all of that now i'm sure that they want to turn a profit but at the end of the day they are a very profitable traditional sports company and their esports org is an opportunity for them to market to new people and to have a play for innovation, which is a long-term like investment. Like they're not worried about it. And I think I actually think that to stabilize some of our esports orgs, we, we should see more of them get bought up by by traditional entities that don't need it to turn a profit. Or to me, it's just like why not scale down a little bit, right? Like just scale down. I think I think player salaries have to come down a little bit. I think the inflation has to come down. I think buying into the the publishers game leagues should be outed with there should like this is just me like i would not buy a franchise spot like why why shouldn't what happens if sentinels tsm they all just no we're just we're not gonna buy a franchise spot we're just not gonna do it you know what we're gonna go we're gonna go pay practice server we're gonna host a third party league and we're gonna hashtag pay practice just what just happens if they just say hey we're gonna do something a little bit more humble amongst us humble organizations and we're going to come down here for a second because you saw the post with 100 thieves entering into call of duty i think a 20 million dollar paywall or 25 million dollar paywall, something crazy like that yeah but in the end after they won the championship title they were still negative 
multiple millions million of over the year. So they were so they won, but were still minus three million for the year. And they had to buy into this ridiculous league, and then they had to work their butts off to get the sponsors and do everything that you know it takes to even get successful activations throughout the year. Like that is that's phenomenal that an esports organization can generate twenty million dollars. It's phenomenal. But it's terrible when you got to pay $25 million to make $22 million. That, that, That's bad math, John. Bro, we got to figure this out, man. Because, cause like, that 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 big Forza esports movie is about to come out. And it's, you know what I'm talking about? It's, like, this massive movie about how – it's a real story about how this, like, kid, like, Formula One Racing did this thing where they, were like, pulled, like, like, the Forza players – and then taught them how to drive. And one of the, I don't know, one of like the best Formula One racers today is a kid who learned it playing on video he's, games. He's we're a about to put driver all, now. We're about to freaking put this this shine on esports, and it's going to be like, yeah, so what do you do with this? Nothing. There's no application right Crazy. now. God, bro, we need to figure this out. One thing I wanted to say, though, is it's been a little over 24 hours at the time of this recording since Sentinels has put this out. And they right now they have 89 investors and have made $89,000 for their investment. So maybe a thousand each from them. There you go. There, there's a week's worth of expenses. There you go. Literally, that's 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 like tens of salary. Maybe that's it. There you go. And honestly, I, I think I think even that's far too low for his salary. Probably. You can't even afford a player with that. My is God. is it worth selling shares of your company at, when you're not going to generate that much? Like that's the other side too. They were valuing their company. Think around thirty million dollars. I saw some people jumping in and, you know, doing the uh, the phase comparisons. Like, dude, phase was valued at a billion. How dare you guys be worth only thirty million? And, you know, kind of those silly conversations. But we also, also selling only four percent. So exactly. And then we also have been, of course, with the with the phase stock. But yeah, so their valuation's a little low. Selling in at that price point, eighty nine thousand dollars raised so far in twenty four hours. I mean, I. Do we right, let's ask this question. Do we think they're gonna hit their goal selling all four percent worth of shares? Do we think they're gonna generate enough of a significant revenue to to make an impact on the organization or is this gonna fall short? Honestly, I see it <laughs> happening with the reach everyone has is I, I see who, it happening. Who is who even plays for Sentinels right now? Like, they have ten Sinatra Zoms. I don't I know they have other people. I just, yeah, but those are the guys I know only for Valorant. Oh man. Yeah, like, but like, I feel like the difference between East, like, there are a lot of esports influencers and pros like that that do not have, they are popular within their own niche, but they are not, they yeah. do not have like wide appeal to pull down. Like, like, yeah, Cypher PK could get clapped by pretty much anyone, but no, like, he has so much more of a reach. Would, would you not agree compared well, to most Fortnite pros? Here's the cool part. Like, let's say you bought enough shares to own a percentage, a 1% or, a 0.5% decimal of Sentinel shares. If they ever sold for a hundred million dollars or more, I mean, you'd cash out. There is, there yeah, is a, I mean, there is a bonus side here. Like this is now, do I think this is a generate way to invest money? Absolutely. You want better returns. I mean, dude, go put it in some, some IRA, you know, some, some retirement funds or something like that. Would I suggest you go, you know, dump 25K to get like a point decimal of whatever's the, the offering from Sentinels? Maybe not. Maybe not. No, I don't think you do. But still, if you have the money to spend and you're a gambler and you believe in esports, 
maybe not the worst do idea. you do you think if i was like yo like if i showed the receipts i'm like dude i dropped 50k in sentinels i'm a part owner now like a significant amount do you think they'd like dm me and like put me on the board i i don't i don't know how to answer that i don't know maybe let's they'd be like, try no, it we got, we got someone who who kind of has some influence like maybe we should actually bring them on like like you know it'd be funny right, let's start trying to find out if if <laughs> if freaking like like train wrecks and like eddie from steak just bought them well, out outright out yeah they just, they just said scoop like like keep your perks like, we yeah, run you now yeah we dropped we dropped two hundred fifty thousand. we uh, we picked up all the shares that was available and uh yeah now we have a say no actually no sorry they can attend the virtual meeting now i forgot i don't know i, I also feel like sentinels is one of those i don't feel like their brand has an identity like it just feels like it's not as big what are you your sentinels oh you got a logo oh you're red what does even what do you mean it's, like there's it, no you know, history what they're missing what they're missing is the collaborations you know companies like g2 had you know collaborations with with polo saint laurent right you look at team liquid they did the honda sponsorship like they they kind of went up and out of the means of normal gaming interaction and got to the mainstream big company blue chip brand partnerships collaborations now don't get me wrong you can buy your way to those collabs like that's what phase does all day long hey disney here's you know let's call it 75 grand we're gonna market this and you know whatever they buy the licenses right to do some stuff and it makes it look like you're doing these really really big things with these major companies when you're just paying for licensing right you're just dressing it up really nicely sentinels doesn't have any of that they don't have those big kind of sponsors or, or you know content pieces those hit pieces that would kind of give you the perception that they're bigger than what they are and it's clear that i think they understand they're not that right and that's why they're trying to crowdfund um i hope it goes well for them though i i really do i just wish that they i don't know had better incentives um and, and made it lot not look so mediocre right like i would have almost just preferred like if there was just you got nothing for it here's just your shares and there's a significance to how you're just helping the company because we we want to be helped you yeah know? yeah like, or it's an investment for you. Yeah, it's like a real yeah, investment. Yeah. This feels like a freaking like car wash fundraiser vibe. You know, like yeah. like get your car wash, pay twenty bucks, get a cupcake. Like what? That is perfect, John. That is like that. That is a great comparison. Like what the perks you get. That is, it's, just, it's a car wash fundraiser for the org. That's amazing. But it's kind of silly. Like yeah, like just I wish the narrative was a little bit better. I almost wish they removed the incentives of like get an expensive jersey or not an expensive you get the same jersey but you're paying all this money for it and we're throwing that in um sometimes i think less is more and uh for for sentinels in this instance i think if they would have just scaled it down changed the narrative a little bit made it more heartfelt relatable in the sense that hey look here's a chance for you to you know kind of get in support us we want to be here for years to come and you know you know in the long run maybe here's a, the benefits of uh owning shares in a, in a space, you know, what, what they can yield for you if things went absolutely our way. And that would have been cooler. Sold the, like the pipe dream, the 10 year pipe dream versus like the virtual event, <laughs> the virtual meeting you'll get to attend and say what, you know, like you're, you know, I don't know. It's probably nothing. They'll be stuck on mute. You're, you'll be on mute. Exactly. Where they'll thank you for buying. L I just did it earlier. Well, should we celebrate? The company that we another company that we dog on a lot and yeah program. listen listen we've been we've been being on you know sentinels for for long enough last week our punching bag was twitch well deserved this they were year thinking. our punching bag has been twitch <laughs> <laughs>
Menda last statement. This year, our punching bag has been Twitch. Twitch has just been, man, on fire. But, you know, there's, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. This go around, the Twitch CEO has actually stepped up. He's done something, he's done something notable. He's done something worthy, honorable, if you will, at the most recent TwitchCon. So TwitchCon Paris just took place last weekend, the weekend of seven, what was it, like seven, seven, eight, pretty much. So July 8th weekend was the uh, TwitchCon Paris. I'll be honest, there wasn't much media coverage, like, at all. Uh-huh. It's almost like it didn't really happen. You didn't have your, your flagship creator showing up or talking about it. It really shows you how much favoritism Twitch has lost amongst the mega creators because none of them really attended. So there's there's that to think about. But, uh, the man, only, Twitch, Twitch Poke- did do something ad- admirable. Pokimane was there, but literally going through their schedule, I'm not recognizing the majority of these names. And that doesn't mean that we know all all creators you know but i mean in terms of like the big ones that that i feel like are known to have large established like is s van was there and pokemon was there and i do know that s van pulled some big numbers from his europe stream but other than that man like i, I feel like what the twitch ceo did was was kind of like the highlight <laughs> the highlight if it wasn't for that clip i don't think i knew twitchcon was going on I think that was the only reason I knew that TwitchCon Paris. I thought it was an old clip. I was like, oh, yo, TwitchCon a few months ago? Why doesn't he have a mask? <laughs> like, Just talk about the clip. Let's give the listeners some insight. Hey, why why, why we shout out Twitch this week, man? What, what did the CEO do? Yeah, so, I mean, well, I, there's two. One is very, one is actually admirable, and one is kind of just funny. But, yeah, so my my understanding is that there was a, a Twitch streamer like, that had some physical disabilities that was in need of a restroom. And there's a clip capturing the, the Twitch CEO saying, oh, hey, no problem. Like, use my pass and allow and like basically help them get access to a, a restroom. Otherwise, they would not have gotten access to or would have had to wait in a long line to. Is that about? Yeah. Well, yeah. And the problem stemmed from the security guard. The security guard was actually like, hey, look, I know you're disabled, but I can't let you in. Like, you, you oh. just can't. You don't have a pass. And the CEO happened to be passing by at that time. And then jump into the conversation like, hey, uh, you know, not, not no disrespect, but like, why can't she use the bathroom? And then he, he re-uttered he to, to the CEO, look, she doesn't have a pass. I just can't let him in. You know, my job says I can't let her in. He says, well, I'm the CEO of this place. I think I think you can let her in. And then he was like, like you know, he was kind of stuck in a weird place. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes, you know what? Like, pause. he paused for a second. He said, you know what? How about this? She has a badge now. And he, he took his badge, his lanyard off of his neck, gave it to her and just said, hey, here, you have a badge now. You're the CEO for a couple moments. You said it. Go use the restroom. What you got to do it just make sure you bring it back to me. And it was all captured. I think it was on someone's live stream. I'm not sure why there was a recording was happening at that time. Stream. He might, uh, yeah, look, he might have been live. Yeah, so he's he was actually creating content while there, which is pretty cool because he, he's been he's been doing these content pieces, uh, which... You know, it's, it's really interesting. He's, you know, trying to win favor, I think, back. It's like, hey, I'm a person too. Although, you know, obviously I, I run the biggest live streaming platform in the world right now. So yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a really cool moment. And he gave the pass to this woman and, and she went on and, and she got to, you know, relieve herself. And then she came back, which was really great. And it was shared on socials and, and everyone was like, damn, that was, that was nice of him. That was very human of him, right? Where it feels like he's been obviously attacking the creators right the creators livelihoods have been at stake in the last couple months that's really been the conversation between twitch and the creator so it was nice to see that um following that though that second clip john was talking about 
there's a couple uh, clips of him surfacing, you know, playing the guitar <laughs> or singing a song singing or something like stage that. To the you crowd. know, he, he's out there, you know, doing his little performance, right? Yeah. And he's just he's trying to show his human nature. I'm all for it. I'm all for, you know, businessmen coming out of their shells and just kind of showing them who who they can be. Is that enough to to have everyone happy with the Twitch platform? I don't think so. No, nah, I mean, I and like it because yeah. I couldn't tell you the last Twitch CEO, and I've heard this guy's name since he became CEO. Right? I'm actually that is seeing true. his face and doing stuff. So I'm just happy that I'm actually seeing this and like he has he's a human. He exists. Yeah. He's doing stuff. So No, and and that is that 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 was our big critique of him saying, "Hey, know the nature of your platform and understand that like Twitch started with webcams and people doing crazy stuff, feeling very like real to life." And so Honestly, L, I think for Twitch Paris, at least from a, an NA, like global perspective, maybe it was great for Europe, you know, the pictures, if you scroll through it, it looked, it looked like people had a good time, but I'm not trying to hate, but like, I did not, did not look packed. Like looked like did not look packed, but big W. Don't forget that was going on during the whole riots and all that. It was in the middle of it during yeah. the whole France ah, riots. So a bunch wow. of people did cancel. It was, it was, it was a big thing. Cause I seen a tweet that. Twitch was not going to refund anyone's tickets because they didn't want to travel during the whole riots. Right. People didn't not going because of that. So uh, that, that is that's not a, all on Twitch there. I was going to say it was a pretty poorly timed. Yeah. Twitch Which that's launch. not their fault though, right? I mean, oh, definitely yeah, not. not. You know, you have this, this big global, you know, um, precedent taking place. It's, it's, you know, obviously important, but yeah, people fear their safety. You know, they're, they're not going to show up to a country that's in, you know, a little bit of chaos and whatnot. And yeah, shout out to the old CEO, Emmett Shear. I, I, I did remember his name. Uh, I think it was around the time he actually retired was when I when I started like reading up on him a little bit. He retired and, and stepped away from CEO from Twitch basically because he had a child. So that was the reason he stepped down. And then I think it's Dan who stepped up and yeah, became became the new CEO and whatnot. But yeah, as we start to wrap up and, and get up out of here, I mean, look, we, we had a very, very fun week of news obviously microsoft picking up blizzard activision man that's that's a big Exciting. one let's let's see what's going to happen for call of duty call of duty since then just to just to touch on you know a little bit of the w's their servers are back online all of the old call of duty games you can log into any of the classic ones and they actually have real servers where you can go play call of duty and we've seen this big uptick on twitch ever since so folks are streaming the game people are having fun you know, Black Ops 2 just peaked at over 10,000 players, you know, back back on Black Ops. So if you're, in, if you're in for some nostalgia, go pull up the old Xbox, go log into the old Call of Duties. There's some players online, man, waiting to get dogged on, basically. And yeah, dude. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I'm going to give the boys a quick opportunity to go ahead and sign out. We'll start with Connor this week. Connor, my boy, let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Connor EO tweet sometimes do the things and yeah i'm not sure if i'll be on next week because i will be on a beach but depending on when we're recording you might see me again next week so yeah. heck yeah we'll have a lot of wind in the next episode guys prepare <laughs> for, for john john my boy let let everyone know where they can uh, send their complaints to you at yeah john w key rush on twitter talk to me and i guess yeah. John W. Rush on threads, question mark. We'll see if it's oh, still a oh, thing. Oh, I mean, I just, I just copy and paste my tweets on the threads. That's, that's, that's the extent of it right now. So. Well, there you go. Now you guys have an option of choice. Find John on threads or Twitter to have a discussion, have a conversation. Um, as always, guys, you can find me at MonsterDFace on all socials across all platforms. This is, this is going to be, again, 
very very busy week for us but we'll be gearing up as, as the summer continues to kind of roll through hopefully you guys are having a great summer stay cool if you're in texas it's been 100 plus degree weather for like two weeks so hopefully <laughs> things start to simmer down a little bit but yeah hope you guys are enjoying your summer we'll catch you guys in the next episode so until next time don't forget to dance up those kills and boast in those victory house peace fam <laughs>